Praise the Lord. Men, well, I know Pastor Judy and I are glad to be back home this weekend. We spent uh, six days going back and forth to Oregon to see your relatives down there, but we're glad to be home today and looking forward to the year ahead and just have that incredible expectancy of what God's going to do uh, this year. And uh, I believe God is going to move in mighty ways. It's been spoken of so much this morning. Uh, and I believe that there's many things that repentance will bring about. And one of the things I believe that true repentance will bring about is an incredible release of the power of God. I mean, God is a steward of his power. It's not always people that he can entrust with that power. But people who are humble, people whose hearts have been smitten and broken before God and have been cleansed and washed by his word can bear his power. And so God's looking for a people who can bear that power in their life. And there's many different ways that God's power is released in us and through us. And so I want to share this morning... Uh, maybe a little unusual uh, teaching or passage of Scripture, but it goes along with the theme that Pastor Jonathan began last week, which was to put God's kingdom first and seeking that kingdom with all of our hearts and laying aside anything that would get in the way of us seeking the kingdom of God and doing the will of God. Amen. Which is that whole theme of repentance But turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Luke, the sixth chapter. We're going to begin reading with verse 27. And I want to speak this morning about the incredible power of the golden rule. The incredible power of the golden rule. But I'm going to begin to read from Luke 6, verse 27 and on from there. But I say to you, (laughs) those words in my Bible are read. And that gives them special significance. Somebody once told me Bibles are supposed to be red. He wasn't talking about the color. He was talking about what you're supposed to do with them. But when I see those words in red, I realize the price that Jesus paid to bring us the message. And so these words are not words that are cheaply spoken These are words that cost the Lord everything to speak to us. And in choosing to speak these words, he spoke something incredibly powerful to us. But I say to you who hear, and there's a qualification there, I say to you who will hear it. So I pray, Lord, by your spirit that you will help us to have ears to hear this morning the word of God. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. 
And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise or in the same manner. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is an interesting passage of Scripture. I was reading different commentaries, interpreting these passages. And I'm afraid the Holy Spirit nor my spirit could bear witness with what most of them were saying. Some of them were saying these are special rules that are written for when the kingdom of God comes on earth. But I think if that were the case, Jesus would have told us then, not then. Right? But the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is in us. And right now, the agency of God's kingdom on the earth is when God's people do what he wants them to do. That is where the kingdom is, and that's where the kingdom resides within us. When Jesus comes, the kingdom will be around us. Revelation says when his foot touches the top of Mount Olives, there will be a declaration, now are the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God. And then there at the end of a thousand year reign, when the devil's permanently put out of business, there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. Amen. And there will be an eternal kingdom that will affect the whole universe and all of God's creation. Amen. But right now, the realm of God's kingdom is what's going on in your heart and in my heart. The, the, the doing of God's kingdom is how you treat the people in your life and how I treat the people in my life. And it is a unique and different way from everybody else. Amen. We as the people of God are supposed to be weird, <laughs> different, unique, separate. Amen. From those who don't know God. 
If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Everything gets made over new. So the Lord's trying to create a kingdom of newness in my heart and in your heart. And I want to speak about that this morning. Now, as I read this passage of scripture, you guys are kind of going, that's not your normal cup of tea. That right, Dr. Chris? Not your normal cup of tea. Now, we have a missionary, Bruce McDonald, who went to Magnolia, uh, Mongolia, Magnolia. Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll send him to Magnolia someday. But anyway, uh, he went to Mongolia. And uh, he, uh, he asked his friend, said, I want, you, I want to see how you minister to people the gospel. And Bruce said to him, I want you to find me a group of people who've never heard the gospel. And so this little missionary went out in the desert and found this group of people living in a big yurt. And it was Bruce's privilege to go in there and preach the gospel to them for the very, very first time. And the tea that they served him was not the usual cup of tea. A cup of tea. Because it was black tea, like we get, but I don't know where they get their tea, probably from China. But anyway, they had their tea... But their tea was made in horse's milk. Yeah, mm-hmm. not your usual cup of tea. And not only that, it was not seasoned with sugar. It was seasoned with salt. So there's Bruce not looking at the normal cup of tea. But he's got this word from scripture, eat what they set in front of you. So he had to drink it, <laughs> kind of making sure his throat didn't reverse halfway down. But, and that was just the beginning. I could go on with the menu about the sheep that the woman butchered in the middle of the kitchen table and then proceeded to cook for them right in their very eyes. Yes. And so, but the thing is, he's sitting there, eat what they've set before you. I mean... And he's watching. I mean, in Mongolia, there's not enough water to wash hands. In Mongolia, there's not enough water to wash pans. So they use sand to wash their hands. They use sand to wash their pans. And in their soup and in their meat, there are little grains of sand. Okay, so he's eating this sandy supper that has been prepared for him. Now... You say, wow. But because he was willing to go to a place and do something he was not used to doing, after about three, four, five hours, he finally got his chance to preach the gospel. But when he preached the gospel that night, every person in that yurt came to know Jesus. Because he was willing to go where he was sent he was willing to eat what was set in front of him and drink what they offered him and be a part of their community. And because he did something he wouldn't normally do, God did something that he desperately wanted to do. Because here's somebody who was willing to yield to not the normal cup of tea. What Jesus is saying in this passage is counter to our normal instincts. 
Because most of us are motivated by self-preservation. Sometimes by competition. Other times we are reacting in the manner to the manner in which people have dealt with us. And so that's sort of our normal, you might say, or how we would tend to act and to react. But the Lord is calling us beyond that. He's inviting us to live as he lived. To be like him. To follow him. To obey him. To keep his commandments. He said, do this and you will be the sons of the Most High. We're being challenged here to have a new mindset. To be pace setters and not crowd followers. That challenges all of us, doesn't it? Because it's a lot of times just so easy to go along with what's going on around us. We're called to be like him, not like them. We're called to be like him, not like us. Amen. And so this is what Jesus is laying out before his disciples. What I'm preaching this morning is discipleship 101. The command of Jesus is not to make believers. The command of Jesus is to make disciples from believers. And so we as a church value that commission and believe God has called us to make you disciples. We're glad you're believers, but we won't be happy until you are disciples. Because that is the commission the Lord has given to the church and to his leaders and to his ministers is to make disciples. And so this morning, that's what I'm trying to do is to make disciples out of you. This passage begins kind of with this. You've been told. You've been told before by others, kind of implied. But I say to you. Amen. Because as we walk with the Lord, so very often he speaks to us and says, you've heard it before, but I say to you. So as being disciples, we begin to listen to a different voice. The voice of the shepherd. John 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. This is the voice of the shepherd speaking to us this morning. And he wants us to learn to follow his instructions. I took a survey from the men this morning. I dare say that if you ask the average man in this congregation how well he follows instructions, most of us just open it and then try to intuitively put it together. 
and always wonder why there's a few extra parts and pieces and we don't know where they're supposed to go, right? In biology class, somebody asked the teacher why there was one female seed and there were millions of male seeds. And one young lady spoke out and said, well, maybe they don't ask for directions either. So, but all of us do well. Amen. I mean, you know, I, I tried to help Pastor Julia with her homework, but I, I am delighted now to see that when she attempts something, the first thing she does is go to YouTube and get an instructional video. And I've eaten at her table, and it's pretty wonderful. Because she has learned to learn from those who know what they're doing. And Jesus wants to us to learn to learn from the one who knows what he's doing. And he's the one. <laughs> he's the one. And he's the one who's giving us the instructions. Love. Do good to those that do evil to you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Turn the other cheek. Give him your cloak too. Give to everybody who asks you. In other places, he tells us to go the second mile. Hmm. All of those things are not things that, generally speaking, we are really inclined to do in the natural, but I believe we are called to do in the supernatural. Not as who we are, but as disciples who follow their master and disciples who learn to keep his commandments. Amen. So that's what I'm sharing with you this morning. Me and I believe the Lord's put this on my heart. And believe me, I kind of wrestled with it. Lord, what are we doing here? But it gets clearer and clearer as you go along. How many of you love that question, who would like to go first? <laughs> when a teacher says that, you always shrink. <laughs> Don't look over here. Because most of us would just, we're just waiting for somebody else to go first. Right? We'll feel better, more comfortable if somebody else goes first. But if Pastor Judy and I are having a feud... I can make one of two choices. I can choose to hold a grudge till she straightens up. Or I can go first and first of all, ask for forgiveness because most likely it's needed. And secondly, if there's forgiveness she needs to give it to her, but to do it for her, First, not to sit there and wonder when she's going to get around to it. God's asking us to go first, to be the first ones and to respond in a certain way and to initiate this. The golden rule is not do to them what they've done to you. Men... How many of you heard that from your children at some point? Why did you do that? Well, they did it to me first. Okay. Well, there's a different kind of first. And that is to do the right thing 
before anybody else does it. To choose to go first, to set an example. Because every time we're challenged in these things, we have an opportunity to plant seeds. When you plant seeds, you plant one seed, but it grows up into many. So when you and me find ourselves in that situation, or you and I, I guess my English teacher would say, find ourselves in that situation, we have a choice to plant a seed, a seed of kindness, a seed of goodness, a seed of rightness, a seed of love. And if you plant a seed, that seed will become many seeds. There's that old saying, I can tell you how many seeds there are in the apple, but I can't tell you how many apples there are in the seed. If that seed just grows one tree, it's going to grow thousands of apples. And any one of those thousands of apples, there's going to be 15, 20 seeds. And all of those seeds have the potential of creating thousands of more apples. And so when you and I do the right thing in a situation, when we do the, the, the opposite of what is the natural, we do the supernatural. We do the thing that love would do. We would do the thing that Jesus would do in that situation. It gives a potential of there being a great harvest. You'll always get more than you plant. But if you don't plant, things diminish. They don't increase. Jesus said, your reward will be great. <laughs> your reward will be great. Look at that list of do's and don'ts. It says, if you do this, your reward will be great. Your reward will be great. Just say that to yourself. My reward will be great. There's a great reward. First of all, you'll be called the sons of the Most High. That's not a bad thing. Not bad at all. In fact, I think that's about the highest compliment that anybody can pay a human being. You will receive in the kind that you give. Judge not, that you be not judged. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given unto you. By the way, notice this. In this context, really doesn't have the, that much to do with money. But it's giving up your rights and ignoring their wrongs. <laughs> I was joking with Pastor Jonathan the other day. He was asking me about Cain and Abel and what I thought. Why did I think Cain's Abel wasn't accepted and Abel's was and Cain? Yeah, I got it right. Anyway, I told him, I said, Jonathan, isn't that amazing that the first murder was over an offering? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> You don't always want to know what I'm thinking. But <laughs> offerings and worship. <laughs> but it's because those things are important. 
<laughs> they're important to God and they're very important to us. But this is give and it will be given to you. Whatever you give in that situation will be given back to you. Good measure. Press down. I'm on a diet. And as I'm on a diet, a lot of times I have to limit myself to a half a cup of oatmeal. And I've learned something about a half a cup of oatmeal. It's not very much. But I cheat. Because I press it down. And then I put some more. The Lord says it's going to be pressed down. <laughs> All of the voids will be filled by oatmeal. And you'll get much more than you would have otherwise. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. He doesn't even stop with the lid of the thing. He's going to go over the top. Okay. Because what... The reason the Lord does that, he's giving you more so you can give more. That's powerful. That's wonderful. That's incredible. Woo! You go, why is this so important? Most of us, we got one memory verse in Sunday school about the golden rule and we're expected to memorize it and practice it the rest of our life. And all, most of us, all we do remember is what it's called. Not what it means. But this is powerful because this is what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12. He says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Did you get that? Did you get that? This isn't just a Sunday school memory verse. This is a compaction of the law of God concentrated in this one expression. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. For in this is the law fulfilled. Very powerful. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, to replace it. But he came to fulfill it. And here he instructs us in the principle of love that expresses and fulfills the full measure of the law. Jeremiah prophesied, he says, the Lord will form a new covenant with you and he will write his law upon your heart. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not too excited about having 16, 613 laws written on my heart. But the Lord can use shorthand and write down this one expression that fulfills all the law. There's a neat thing about that. The fulfillment of the law takes away its condemnation. Did you get that? When the law is fulfilled, it takes away its condemnation. Most people are not very happy talking about rules. But there are rules. There are commandments. And we don't do them to get saved. But we do them if we are saved. That's what it means to be a new creation. We have been saved from disobedience into obedience 
We've been saved from unrighteousness into righteousness. We have been saved from hatred into love. We have been saved from darkness into light. And because we have been saved, we can walk in the power and the righteousness of God and we can fulfill the commandments of Jesus Christ willingly and with the power of God's grace and his Holy Spirit to enable us to do it. See, that's the problem most people have with the Sermon on the Mount. There's no way we can do this. There's no way we can live up to that. Good news. I guess what? If it were two, two words long, you couldn't do that without Jesus. We can't do anything without him. But we can do all things through him. And he can do a lot through us. I'll give you another witness to what I just said about fulfillment brings the end of condemnation. Turn with me to Romans 8, just for a second here. Romans 8, verse 1. Most of you already know how that begins. But look at it carefully. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh. In other words, we're not drinking the normal cup of tea. But according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I don't want that law. But what Jesus has done has made me free. But look at verse 3 carefully. For what the law could not do, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Look at verse 4. Here's the proof of the pudding. For the righteous requirements of the law, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Fulfillment ends condemnation. The law of God is no longer a law of sin and death but it is the law of life to those who will receive it. This is the power of God within us to be the sons of God. The power of God to live and follow Jesus and his footsteps and do for others what he has done for us. Who went first? Jesus. I tell people when I'm counseling, I said, I don't care where you go in life. There's always one set of footprints on that path before you because Jesus was there before you ever got there. He has gone through all of the things that we go through. And we don't go through anything that he hasn't gone through and that he doesn't know personally. And so the thing is, <laughs> see... He's already been there. And if he's been there, he knows the way. We used to sing that little song when I was in Sunday school. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness. And all I have to do is follow. Woo. Yes. Okay, so. But there's incredible power in this. I, I'm 
my, my high school physics teacher wanted me to, to major in physics. Uh, but uh, the Lord wanted me to major in something else, so I did. But I'm still fascinated by certain things. And nuclear power is an incredible thing. Nuclear power is when people take very heavy, the heaviest elements on the earth, uranium-238, and they put it together in a tight mass. And if you had a piece of uranium-238 the size of a baseball, and you, somebody put it in your hand, you'd probably fall on your face. Because that thing is heavy. It is compacted together as tightly as atoms and molecules can be compacted together. In fact, they're so compacted together that if too many of them get in one place at the time, they split. And so when they create a critical mass and they take that baseball and they put it in a donut made of uranium-238, a bomb goes off that's big enough to blow Seattle off of the map with just that much uranium because it's compacted together. The, the law that Einstein came up with is energy is equal to the mass times the speed of light squared. So when matter becomes energy, it's amazing. But here's what I believe. God has compacted truth and life into this expression called the golden rule. And when we receive it and believe it in our heart, it has the power to release an incredible amount of power. We try sometimes, how many of you have done this, trying to change that other person? That happens often to a pastor. Sometimes we are more successful than others, but it's usually because the Lord's involved. But there's times when you just do what you can do, and, you know, it's not working. When that happens, you need to go back to the Lord and say, what's going on here? Start praying for wisdom. And I had a situation like that and was praying for wisdom. And one day I saw a little thing. It says, this is how to talk and do this and that. And I read this little article. That little article was full of wisdom, condensed wisdom. And as I read it, it gave me a totally different approach. And when I took a different approach, I got a different result. You know, this is what the Lord's trying to say to us. You try to change people by giving them advice, by giving them counsel. The power to change people comes when you do to them what you would like for them to do. Not just to you, but to other people. That's the power we have been given with the golden rule. Whatever you want people to do, do the same thing to them. Do it before they do it. Do it, and if you do, I believe it will eventually empower them to do it. Amen? The nuclear thing I was talking about is called a chain reaction. I believe God wants to create a chain reaction of the golden rule moving through the body of Christ. Like this. 
exploding with light and with life and bringing dramatic change to the atmosphere of God's people and having an incredible influence on the world around us because we have been able to receive this truth, this power. There's so much truth and so much power in what Jesus is saying here. But that power is released in and through us by living as he lived, placing the needs of others ahead of our own. In Philippians, I believe it's 4, 5, it says, considering this time, let your moderation be known to all men. So I looked that up in the Greek. Others can work this out if you want to, but I came up with a little bit alternative reading. I checked out a bunch of translations and none of them agree with me exactly. But I believe what the Greek says there is let your magnanimity be known to all men. And what does it mean to be magnanimous? It means to give place to the other. You're driving down the street. You see some car with their nose halfway into your lane. What do you do? Run over it? I would suggest being magnanimous. Slow down and let them go first. It's better than the other. I know you have the right of way. You're absolutely right. It should have been yours, not theirs. But you have the power to give it to them. You have the power to be magnanimous. You have the power to do what's best for that person, not what's necessarily easiest or best for you. And that's what the Lord's getting at here. And the Lord wouldn't ask us to do this if he hadn't have done it. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Woo! We love him because he first loved us. I don't know how he loved me. I don't know how he loves me. There's that old song, Lord, I don't know why you love me the way you do. But he loved us first. That's why we love him. He loved us first. That's why we can serve him. He loved us first. That's why we can love one another. He loved us first. That's how we can love our wives, our, our children, our husbands, our neighbors, our, our enemies. I hope I'm wrong here. I really do. But I believe we're going to continue to live in a society that's more and more contentious. And I believe we're going to live in a society that is more and more aggressive against any Christian faith or value. It's coming. And like I say, I would love to be wrong about that. But I don't think that I am. But having said that, I believe 
we're going to have to learn to turn the other cheek. My father always admonished me, John, turn the other cheek. He didn't want a boy who fought, caused trouble at school. And there were a lot of people who troubled me. There were numerous gangs where I grew up. And first of all, they, they found me as a minority. And secondly, they found me as a passive Christian. So they beat me up. They could get another notch in their belt and prove how tough they were. And it wouldn't cost them much. And um, frankly, I got kind of tired of getting beat up. One time they were messing with me and made me miss the bus and I had to walk four miles home crying and mad as a hornet and everything else. And finally I heard a Sunday school teacher say, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He didn't say what to do after that. So I decided to change my rules a little bit and I'm not going to turn the cheek more than once. And so the next time somebody picked on me, I told them, you get one shot, you better enjoy it because the second one's going to cost you. This little guy named Leo was the next guy to pick on me. And when he went to hit me, I let him hit me once. He went to hit me the second time. I grabbed his arms. I, I threw him around and around and threw him out over the gravel of the playground. And he landed on his hands and his knees. It tore the knees out of his jeans. It scraped his hands, his knees, and caused him to bleed. I looked at him, and instantly I was sorry for what I'd done. But at the same time, my heart hardened. And I said to myself, John, you're not going to cry over this. And you know what? I didn't cry for 20 years. And when Jonathan was two and a half years old, he got very sick. And I sat by the side of his bed praying for three days. And that's when I started crying again. But I made a very bad decision not to turn the other cheek. And when I made that decision, it took something beautiful out of my life. I was an emotional, sensitive person, easy to pick on and easy to take advantage of. But I became a hard person. I became like them and not like him. And I'm not happy with that decision that I made back then. And if I had to do it over again, I would hope I'd have the grace to do it differently. But I'm preaching you to, to you today because I believe each one of us has an opportunity to do the right thing even in terrible situations of wrong. I heard of a young woman who was in China and some people came from North Korea, kidnapped her and took her back captive into North Korea. But instead of hating her enemies, she decided I ought to be friendly. So she was as kind as she could possibly be to these people under the circumstances. And then three of them befriended her. One of them brought her some food. One other one brought her some water. Eventually, her enemies helped her to get out of the situation where her friends and her family could not. God can turn an enemy into a friend if you'll turn an enemy into a friend. If you'll turn that enemy into somebody you love and care about. You don't know why they're full of hate. You don't know why they're acting the way they're acting. Neither do I. And we don't have to. But we can go first. 
and love them as God loved us first and be like the Master who's calling us to follow him whithersoever he goeth. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning as we close this service. For those of you who are online, we love you. We miss you. There's a lot of you we haven't seen for about nine months, and we would love to see you. We'd love to have fellowship with you, but we understand. But we just want to say you, we love you. We know you love us. We're still family. And even though you're there and we're here, our hearts are together in the Lord, and we just pray God's richest and best blessings upon you. Just stretch your hand to that camera. Okay, can we do that? Lord, we pray for those watching online right now. And Lord, we pray that your love and your mercy and your grace, Lord, will just fill their hearts. Lord, you know the empty places. You know the voids in their heart and in their emotions. And this morning, Lord, we just pray for them together. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, to press down that cup and cause it to be pressed down shaken together, running over with everything, Lord, that they need in their lives, whatever it is. Lord, you know we don't. But Lord, I know your love is there for them. And Lord, your love is not only there for them, but your love is there for those in their life who might be difficult to love, those who might trouble them. Lord, your love is there in them. Your light is there in them. Your strength is there in them. Your grace is there in them. And Lord, we just pray for them this morning in the name of Jesus. And ask you, Lord, to cause your grace to abound to them. And that power of your love to be released in them and released for them, Lord, and be multiplied in the mighty name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me. You can look up here at me for a moment. I believe as I went down that list of things that the Lord's asking us to do, that different ones of you heard this, heard that, heard what the Lord was saying to you. I believe he was giving you assignments, saying you need to do this, you need to take care of that, need to forgive there, need to pray there need to be more patient there you need to be kind to that one who has not been kind to you you need to be gentle to that one who has been harsh to you and believe that somehow through the power of God's love that person's life can be changed for the better amen you know the Holy Spirit knows I don't need to know but you know what God wants you to do I'm going to ask you to do something right now. If you have a pen and pencil, take it out. Write it down. Okay? So you don't forget. You know, you can take notes on those smartphones, even the ones that are not so smart. But anyway, you can take a note. Write it down. But then I'm going to encourage you to do that as soon as possible. If you will, I believe next week we're going to see miracles. 
God doing the impossible. If we'll plant the seed, he'll water it and he'll make it grow. And I believe we're going to see a breaking forth of mighty miracles in the house of God. But the seeds of miracles are planted in the soils of crisis, of discomfort, of hatred, of strife, of envy, of all of those things. But the Lord can cause that seed to die and he can cause it to come to life again, bringing forth 30, 40, 100 fold. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord, I pray for your people today. Pray, Lord, that that obedience will be first in our hearts. Lord, give us the grace to be more than we've ever been before, to follow you in these places that you're calling us to go, to be faithful in these things you're asking us to do. And Lord, to give us the courage to go first so someone else can come second. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. Let your will be done, Lord. Let your kingdom come in our hearts. Let it come, Lord, so that the kingdom, light and life can break forth upon other souls and upon other lives. Lord, we're asking this knowing, Lord, that this is your will and you delight in it and you delight in us. Lord, thank you for the grace, the courage, and the faith to do what is right in your sight. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise.